For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here. Guys, we're recording directly after the win against the Orlando Magic. Exciting times for, to be a Sixers fan for sure. Probably didn't need to go as close as it did in this game. But, Chris, how about you go ahead and, and take it away for us, man? Yeah, I think exciting might be overstating everyone's mood at the moment. But 116-114 in overtime, um, a game that the Sixers did their very best to lose, but still won um, 35-16 boards, seven dimes from Joel, 26 for Tobias, and 26 for James Harden. Um 16 for George Niang. Lucas, what were some of the things that stood out for you in this game? Um, let me just start with the um, starting five. I think this was probably the best Tobias game that we've seen with James Harden. Of course, then again, this wasn't the best James Harden and Tobias game total. <laughs> and that's a little concerning. Maxi has kind of cooled off now. He went one of th- uh, one of six from downtown. Missed uh, one of missed one of two free free throws. Would that would have made this win a little bit more comfortable? But I mean, it's the Orlando Magic. They they're playing with house money now. They they came out fighting. The Sixers clearly did not. Uh, transition defense is a big concern. I think that that's probably the biggest one that I I want to point out. Is just we were a bad transition team before, and it, for some reason it feels like it's gotten worse. So I I don't know what to say about that, Chris. Yeah, um, I mean, we can talk about James Harden. That's the storyline from this game and the Brooklyn game, which we're going to talk about too, unfortunately. Um, 26, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Looks good on paper. 13 of 15 from the free throw line, but he was only 5 of 19 from the field. 3 of 11 from deep. Had a really bad first half. Did rebound a bit in the second half, but he just doesn't seem to have his legs right now. That was a bit of a concern during the trade because you know listening to brooklyn people talk about james harden obviously there is a certain level of saltiness there but there was a lot of like you know james doesn't have his legs right now and i I think we're kind of seeing that a bit in philly i don't think it's cause for panic again he did kind of turn it around in the second half made a couple important plays down the stretch it wasn't a blanket negative the way that the brooklyn game was but He's clearly struggling to turn the corner and get downhill. He's struggling to finish inside. He's, 
you know, seeking contact a lot and not really looking to shoot properly, which is, has been problematic in a few cases. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was the big standout from this game. Again, like Matisse Thibel barely played in the second half, which has been something of a theme recently. I, I, I think just with how this rotation is set up again, that a lot of his minutes are probably best played, not with the starting five. Um, you know, those James Harden, DeAndre Jordan bench lineups don't really have a lot of pop right now, a lot of athleticism. I think Thibel would help them out a lot defensively. I think he's best offensively when he's able to work off of James with a bunch of shooting around him. So maybe, you know, put Niang, put Isaiah Joe, whoever, into that fifth starting spot and just use Matisse in different spots rotationally. I think that might help him and it might help the Sixers. Um, you know, a lot of closing minutes for George Niang in this game, though Fabel did have that big block on Cole Anthony. But, yeah, I mean, Harden's the big storyline here. He, he played better than he did in the Brooklyn game, but it was still not great. Still a lot of valid reason for concern. Um, can, I, but... can I just interject about Harden here for a second, Chris? You know what I've noticed in the past two games? He's forcing his shot too much. He's not taking good shots. He's and he's not really trying to play make. He had three turnovers and six assists. Like he he's a double digit assist type of guy, and he's not doing that. And it's concerning me. I don't know why he's trying to hunt his shot so much. Me and you both agree that maybe he's lost like a fourth of a step, and he's not the most explosive guy to begin with. So creating that extra space or drawing those fouls is going to be even more difficult for a guy like Harden now. And I, I think I'm not saying that he shouldn't be like the second leading score he should be, but what the Sixers need from him is the playmaking. Cause, and, and you know, it's on our agenda here. So I'll just bring it up. The bench looks horrendous outside of George's Niang. Uh, DeAndre Jordan kind of proving the reason why he was out of the Lakers rotation four rebounds, minus nine in 12 minutes, kind of. And you you tweeted it on the site, Greg Monroe-ish. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I feel like even Paul Millsap could have done a better job in those minutes. I mean, I would prefer Paul Reed, but, um, I mean, think about it. Isaiah Joe, Shake Milne can be pretty good uh, heat check guys when involved in the offense. And we're seeing James Harden too many times going ISO. And that's partially on James Harden. That's partially on. Yeah. Look, I mean, yeah, Harden's whole career has been ISO and him dominating out of the ISO. So I, you know, it, that's kind of what we have to expect when it comes to how he's going to use possessions. But it, he's just not being as successful as we're accustomed to right now. Um, like 19 shots in 44 minutes for James Harden is fine. I don't. He obviously went to the free throw line 15 times. Like you want James Harden ideally taking plenty of shots and splitting the offense with Joel. So I don't think it's even a forcing his shot issue. It's just that he like can't get off his legs at the rim and he's getting shots blocked and he's turning things over. And that's why I'm saying he needs to change his game. Sure. I I agree. But you know, more floaters, I, I, you know, catch and shoot more. I, I don't know what, what the issue is other than he's getting old and he's not quite as, you know, explosive downhill as he was in Houston. But again, like he's followed up five really good games with two pretty crappy games. I I feel like we're going to land somewhere in the middle. I I don't think this is going to be the version of James Harden that we get every night. But 
you know, it's not ideal. It's certainly not what you want out of the guy you just traded a bunch for. But, um, you know, the Sixers did end up winning. So it could have been a lot worse. They could be going home with a loss to Orlando. It was way harder than it needed to be. Um, you know, shout out to, to Markel Fultz, who had 11 dimes in 18 minutes. He looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wendell Carter played a really good game against Joel Embiid on both sides of the ball. Cole Anthony hit some really big shots in overtime and almost I mean, a game for them. Yeah, we could talk about Joel Embiid shooting below 33% from the field in yeah. this game. Granted, he had 35 and 16. I'm not complaining. But, I mean, last two games for Joel, you know, field goal percentage-wise hasn't been the greatest either. So, it's not just yeah. James Harden. I mean, they're both getting to the line, so their numbers are staying, you know, consistent. But their field goal teams are guarding them differently now, and I can't figure out how or like what's the difference here. Why is that harder for? Because they're lacking floor spacing, Chris. That's it. They're missing a guy like Seth Curry in the starting five. Yeah, I mean, look again. I think Matisse being just the guy that defenses ignore is a bit troublesome in certain points. He's been played out of a couple games now. Um, and look, Harden just not hitting shots. It's going to look a lot worse when guys aren't hitting shots. Again, Joel, 9 of 28 from the field. That's not great. He got 17 free throws. He drew some fouls inside, but a lot of unsuccessful grifting the past couple games from both of them, like just trying to draw fouls instead of looking to get a shot off, which has been something of a common criticism that I've kind of brushed off, but it's like been an actual sort of issue these past couple games. Well, James Harden has been known to do this in the past. Like that's why they made that new rule about, you know, offenses trying to draw the foul. This is kind of new for Embiid though. Yeah. So not ideal. I, I think both guys are going to turn it around, have better nights. Again, 35, 16, and 7, a couple blocks. Like, Joel only had two turnovers. It it could be a lot worse. He's still mm-hmm. putting up big numbers. But um, this was a game that Philly probably should have dominated. Orlando is a really bad team. And, you know, front half of a back-to-back, most people didn't even want Joel to play tonight so he could be, you know, full go against Jokic tomorrow. But... He played, and the Sixers had to go to overtime. He had to play 41, 42 minutes on the front half of a back-to-back. On the road, they're going to have to get on a plane now and go back to Philly for a big game tomorrow. It's, it's just not ideal. And we're going to talk about the, the horrendous showing that the Sixers had against the Brooklyn Nets. Chris, the, the final score was 129-100. to t- Sixers got blown out. Pretty, It was pretty – easily in hand for the Nets pretty much before the end of the first quarter. Durant, Kyrie looked like they couldn't miss. They were pretty efficient. And then Seth Curry decided to have one of his, you know, 24-point game outings. Before DeAndre Jordan twisted his ankle, he was actually playing decent defense on Joel. And you had guys like Nick Claxton, James Johnson, and even Patty Mills step up. Looking at this game, what are some of your takeaways? Yeah, look, I, I think it's a pretty easy game to panic about, and I understand why people are panicking. There's some pretty glaring red flags against the team Philly might have to play in the first round, depending on how things shake out. Um, James Harden, 11 points, 5 dimes, 17 shots, 0 of 10 inside the three-point line. Not what you want. Only took two free throws. Again, just wasn't getting the calls he wanted, really because they weren't calls to make. He wasn't drawing the fouls like he's accustomed to so easily his worst game as a sixer 
Um, you know, Philly's like lack of athleticism really shined through in this game because Brooklyn has a lot of guys who run and shoot and spread the floor. Doc had like just a truly awful general game plan from Doc Rivers. He, the whole like double Durant at the top of the key every time thing didn't work when you have like three elite shooters and guards who can dribble and play make off of those slow rotations. Sixers weren't rotating on defense, weren't making the right plays. We're just giving up easy shot after easy shot. Brooklyn hit a crap ton of threes. They aren't going to shoot as efficiently as that game always, but the Sixers didn't really make it hard on them. So you can't, it's, you know, you got to blame the Sixers defense at a certain point. This was like, if we're just like scraping the bottom of the barrel for silver linings, like a pretty good Tobias game relative to what we had seen prior to him next to James Harden. He was one of the few very few bright spots. Joel had 19 free throw attempts in 30 minutes, had a really strong first half. Then they just kind of went away from him in the second half. Again, not sure why that's happening. Tyrese Maxey had seven shots, four points. was being guarded a lot by Seth Curry, who he should be feasting against. Again, why aren't the Sixers just drawing up more plays to get Tyrese involved in those actions? James Harden had a lot of matchups that should have been mismatches. Kyrie, Seth, Goran Dragic, whoever, those are guys James Harden should, on paper, be torching every time. And he, he just wasn't taking advantage. So, a really bad game all around. Brooklyn like, kicked their butt across the board. There really wasn't an area of the game that Philly won. So, not great. It's not going to be that bad every night. I don't think people should panic. I don't think this is like, you know, entirely doom and gloom, but it, it's a pretty bad showing against the team that Philly should have woken up for. Yeah, I agree. And I actually wrote an article on this, Chris, the three things that we can take away from this game. I believe the first one is that, as you've pointed out multiple times in the past, we just lack perimeter, you know, athleticism and defense. When Matisse Thibel has to split his time between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it's not effective. Tobias Harris got feasted on. Um, and then you, you were missing Danny Green, and let's be real, Charlie Brown Jr., as much as I love him, is not going to get minutes in that type of game. So you really are just – you don't have any perimeter defense. And then James Harden, like I said in this in the Orlando game, also wasn't playing his style of ball. He was trying to attack the rim, trying to get calls. Brooklyn realized it pretty early on. Kyrie played a great defensive game. Brooklyn collapsed on him. He wasn't kicking out. He was just getting his shot blocked over and over again. Not a good James Harden showing. And then on the last one here, and while I will say Tobias Harris didn't have a bad game, 16 points, that's kind of what you want from your fourth, you know, fourth option on offense. Chris, he saw that James Harden and Tyrese Maxey weren't scoring. He They needed more from him, to be honest. They needed more. He didn't step up. He was efficient, but he, he could have done more to help. He had a matchup advantage for the most part, I, I, I believe. So, Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, look, that's the thing. No one stepped up, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. He more from literally every person who played. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not George's Niang. Yeah. Um, and Paul Reed, because you know, gotta give Al should be shout out to people. And I don't think this was a bad DeAndre Jordan game 10 points, nine rebounds. Granted, four turnovers aren't great, but he was a plus one in the box score. Yeah, look, well, I think he padded those numbers a bit in the fourth quarter. Okay, like, fair. Like, like DeAndre Jordan should not be playing. I'm like definitively saying 
Paul Reed is better than him. I'm confident in saying that. I mean, we know that Paul Reed's probably the best option on the bench, but Doc Rivers won't play him for whatever reason. He won't, and I think that's like a real shortcoming on Doc Rivers. Yeah, of course. Think we should really let him get away with that. No. But, um, yeah, man, just not great. Not what we wanted out of this game. A lot of people were excited for it. We were excited for it. Like, if, if it was a close loss, I think people would have been okay. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Brooklyn's a really good team when yeah. Kyrie and Kevin Durant are playing. That's, like, the 7-8 seed thing is a bit deceiving. I, I don't want the Sixers to be the sec- first or second seed. I, I think the Sixers should stay pat right in third. Yeah, and, like, certainly, I, I agree. Look, we'll we'll see what happens with Ben Simmons, but we'll see what happens with the vaccine thing. But when Kevin Durant's out there and you got enough shooting around him, you're gonna make some things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't. Uh, speaking of Ben Simmons, Chris, what did you thought think of his return? You know, to the sideline, not not to the actual court. Um. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, I didn't really have. I, I thought like some of the shouting at him in front of the team bus when he's getting coffee was a bit overkill, but. I mean, it's Philly. Uh, it is like like they be like the fan base didn't really get too many chance to really lay into him because their team was getting their the wheels, you know, taken off. Yeah, but um, you know, it is what it is. They got a couple of F. Ben Simmons chance in. I don't think anything overboard happened, which is nice. I know we were a little bit concerned about that. You know, no popcorn was thrown, no water bottle or anything. So. That's nice. Um, but, yeah, look, Ben Simmons is going to make the Nets a better team, and they they look pretty good at semi-full strength without him in that game. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's they're basically got uh, – They basically have Bruce Brown acting like a mini Ben Simmons, and when Ben Simmons actually gets in, it's going to be tougher, obviously. Yeah. But um, last point here, Chris. We saw how good Curry and Drummond fit with the Nets. Do you think the Sixers gave up too much for Harden? Like a lot of people are going to be kind of like shifting in their seats, uncomfortable after these last couple games from Harden. I think we all recognized the downside of trading for a 32, almost 33 year old Harden with a lot of NBA miles on his body. There's certainly a chance that you know we look back on this in five years and Brooklyn won the trade. Like that's a possibility, but. Given where the Sixers are at, given the level that we know Harden can play at, I, I I still think this is the right move. You have to give up something to get something. Harden has for the past five, six years been one of the best offensive players of all time. So I you know, it's too early to tell. There's a good chance again that Brooklyn like wins the NBA championship and we're all scratching our heads. If they beat Philly in the first round. A lot of people are going to panic, and rightfully so, but, you know, it's James Harden. I'm confident that he's going to have better nights than he's had the past couple of games. I I think those are coming. And, you know, Curry and Drummond are great, but they are also pretty flawed. They're not, like, they're not star-level players. We'll have to see what happens when Ben gets on the court. Ben, They can be played off in a playoff series. We've seen it happen. Ben is really going to determine whether or not Philly gave up too much because if Ben plays as well as Ben Simmons can play, then Brooklyn's going to be really good. They're going to compete for a championship. And, you know, James Harden's obviously going to determine that too. So it's Mm -hmm. too early to tell. 
I, I uh, think Curry and Drummond are great in Brooklyn. They're gonna they're in a great situation, and the Nets are really good. But it's too early to say definitively if Philly gave up too much. I would still make the trade today based on what I've seen. But, you know, this is a conversation we're going to have to have like a year from now or two, three, four years to really have the full context. Well, okay. Let's look at this from a value perspective. You're getting James Harden, top 75 all-time great. You're, you're getting him for two first-round picks. You're getting a multi-time all-star, defensive player of the year caliber player. And then you're getting a sharp shooter with some major flaws and a, you know, starting caliber. And yeah, yeah, I know he was the backup here, but let's be real. He is a starting caliber center who also has some major defensive flaws for a playoff series, both of which in the last year of their contracts. So they could leave after this year. And really all you're left with is the all-star player and the picks. In terms of actual value, no, the Sixers didn't give up. But I am going to take the this the path of Stephen A. Smith here and say that maybe they sh- it was maybe too much to the Brooklyn Nets. Just in terms of like, if James Harden was say on a Western Conference team, we wouldn't even be worried about this. But the Nets, it it should cause some level of concern, I think. Um, in the short term, in the long term, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it does it hurt the Sixers' chances of you know? Do, do the Sixers pay more attention to their playoff seating? Yes, I it, because the Nets are going to be in the play, and they're not going to get out in time. Um, so yeah, I I think that it does. And if I'm Philly, I'm just not trying to see them in the first round. So yeah, I, I I don't I won't say that they gave up too much in terms of actual value for James Harden, but in turn, did they give it up to the wrong to the worst team possible? Maybe. Yeah, I I mean, look, that, that was always the risk with this trade is that Brooklyn already has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like you're you're making, you know, you're giving another team important pieces, but at the same time, you're also taking away James Harden. So it, it really depends on what, what Philly does. It's up to James. They kind of control their own destiny on that front. Um, I'm hesitant to say like the Sixers should actively dodge a team. Cause that's just not the best mentality to carry the playoffs, but I would certainly not mind it if Brooklyn was on the other side of the bracket. <laughs> so for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that's all fair. Mm-hmm. So let, let's switch gears now and talk about Robert Covington, who recently commented on Instagram in response to some fans who were heckling Ben Simmons, quote, Philly at its finest. Now you see why he wanted out. Naturally, the Sixer fans did not take very well to this, Lucas. Do you think fans should be upset about this? And you know, do you think it's it's right for him to be criticizing the fan base in that way? I'm going to take a controversial view here, Chris, and I'm going to shouldn't be worried about it. And here's the reason why: he wasn't blaming the bl- fan base in this, Chris. He was taking a shot at Simmons. That's the way I see this, at least. Because if you d- notice, he re-signed with the Sixers for three years. I think it was three years, twelve million each year, something around that. He clearly loves the city. He probably didn't want to be traded. Um, And he even had a follow-up post saying that that's not what he was saying. 
But what I think he was saying is he knows how he was a teammate of Ben Simmons. He knows how Ben works mentally, and he knows that he knows that maybe Ben can't handle that type of criticism. And I think that's what he meant when he said that. That that's the way I interpreted it anyway. Fans, you might be upset. That's fine. I'm just saying that's how I interpreted it. I don't think he was taking a shot at Philly fans at all. Yeah, I, I don't know if he was taking a shot at Ben, but I, I certainly don't think he said anything out of line. Like, as you said, he followed up on Twitter, quote, y'all kill me. I never said anything bad about Philly. Stop blowing what I said out of proportion. That's the problem with social media, trying to find something out about nothing. That's Philly fans all day. Didn't I resign there? So, of course, I love the city. Booze and all. He also said something, I believe, about like some fans heckling his mother and different experiences about some fans going too far. I, I didn't I see he, anything about I think that. He deleted that. He might have. I, I but, didn't see that one. Yeah, whether he said it or not, I, I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't have any ill will towards the fan base. I think it's fair to say that some Sixer fans probably have gone overboard in their of course hatred of Ben Simmons. Like most, you know, some of the stuff that Sixer fans have done over the past several months has been not you know in the good spirit of fandom it's been like out of actual hatred which is just never where you want to be as a fan base so um like look you know i i i think some people are getting a little too defensive about this kind of stuff you know i I, you got to be able to take the heat if you're going to dish it out as a fan base so Mm -hmm. um act like you've been there right chris yeah, so I, I have no issue with what Robert said. Yeah, I, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think he was taking a shot at the fan base. I, you, you've already heard what I said, but I think we can just move on from that. That doesn't, I, I don't think that's like a big thing that we need to dive into. But you know what we do need to dive into, Chris? The Sixers, like you said, are on, on a back-to-back, and they're going to see Denver Nuggets. And the other front runner for the MVP besides Joel Embiid is Nikola Jokic. And it's the clash of the big man. This this matchup could very well determine who will be MVP, Chris. It could very well determine that. Who wins, who has the better stat line. Chris, what do we expect from a matchup of two big men of this caliber that we haven't seen in the NBA probably since, like, Shaq and Duncan played each other? Well, um, Sixers have 16 games left on the schedule. They have said already like publicly that they're going to give rest days to Joel and James over the next few weeks. Oh, Chris, don't, don't do what I think you're going to do. They're traveling tonight. They, Joe just played 42 minutes on the road. It's the second half of a back-to-back. Don't I think do it. I think there's a real chance he doesn't play. Oh. If he does play, there's a chance he's going to be a bit tired. But um, look, it, I hope they play. It's been way too long since we've seen them. Because they didn't play in Denver earlier this year either, Chris, because Joel was out with an injury. Yeah. Hey, I'm back. Hey, welcome back. I have to say, there's a snowball's chance in hell that Embiid doesn't play. Yeah, I think Joel's going to force him. He's going to tell them that he's going to play. Even if this game went in the triple overtime, he's going to head-to-head against Shokic. I put money on that. It's certainly possible. I'm not saying, like, I predict that he's not going to play as of right now. There's been no word about them, like, benching him. So it's fair to expect that he will play. If they do play, I think it'll be a great game. Like, these are two pretty evenly matched teams in the standings. Um, You know, arguably the two best players in the NBA right now going head-to-head at the same position. They'd be guarding each other. 
that'd be a lot of fun. I'd I'd pay to see it. So I hope that Embiid plays, and I, I hope that it's a good game and that it doesn't you know go the Brooklyn route of being some unwatchable blowout. <laughs> um, yeah, I I will say this. I expect Joel Embiid to get his eleventh forty and ten game of this season. Mm-hmm. I th- I think he's going to show out. I think I think James Harden's definitely going to make sure he feeds the beast. I think Jokic is also going to show out. They both have respect for each other, and I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a good Uriah. It's going to be a good '90s bloodbath. It's, it's going to be fantastic. I'm all for it. I think he's going to try to foul out Jokic by the by the end of the second quarter. I, you I think just have so? A feeling. Yeah, I just have a feeling. I think they have mutual respect for one another, but I think Embiid wants this MVP so bad because he feels mm-hmm. like he should have gotten it last year. He should have. He, he's gonna put him. He's gonna. Wow. He's gonna. He's gonna chop him up. I got a feeling. The only reason why he didn't is because he got injured. Right. Uh, yeah. Chris. Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I we... agree. He would have won if he hadn't gotten injured. That doesn't mean he he should have won, but. Okay, point. My point's still valid. Um, I I agree. Like if they play and beat, they're gonna go at Jokic. I, Jokic yeah. is not a draw, foul drawler. If you you know ask a Denver fan, he doesn't get a great whistle either. So, um, I I agree. And beat is gonna go at Jokic if he plays. I I no, think Jokic I, uh-huh. will probably like go back at Embiid. Jokic has been dropping some absurd stat lines lately. Mm-hmm. You know, Jokic is certainly capable of playing up to and above the level of Embiid. So I, I don't think it would be like Embiid just showing out with no response. Oh yeah, um, no, there would definitely be a response. But here's the difference, I think, Chris. Here, the Sixers just are a better team overall. They're gonna. I I, I hope, especially with Joel in the MVP kind of on the line in tomorrow's game. I really hope the rest of the team steps up. So who's plays. Let, let's let's have some fun with stats. Who scores more tomorrow night, Jokic or Embiid? Uh, I'm gonna say Joe. You know what? No, I'm gonna say Jokic. All right, Chris. Um, I mean, if B plays, you know, I think it B probably scores more. Um, you know, it's in Philly, second out of a back to back, and all it's in Philly. Um, and you know, Jokic could very well score more. I I think it would be close. I think there's a chance that both of them put up pretty mega stat lines. Because as you said, Lucas, they, I don't, I don't think this is going to determine, you know, the MVP, like who wins, wins MVP. But you know, narratives tend to be fed by important games. This is going to be on national TV. Oh, it is. Joel showing out. Ooh. Okay, is going to mean that Jokic has to show out in turn. Those guys are still by far the most important players on their team, especially with how James Harden's been playing lately. So. Um, can I can I can I throw a history book comparison here? Wait wait wait. Let's get through the stats. We know. All right, assists. We're gonna give. We're just gonna give that by default to, to uh-huh. Jokic. Who gets more rebounds tomorrow night? I'm gonna say Jokic as well. Hmm. Yeah, Jokic is a better rebounder. Yeah. So. All right. Over um, under Embiid blocks Jokic's shot. I'll put the number out there. Two blocks. Over under. Over. Over. I agree. Uh, I mean. Under he he averages less than two blocks a game, guys. Yeah, but Jokic is not a guy who gets his shot blocked a lot. Yeah, but Embiid, man, I, I think he Embiid will play tough and physical defense. I I don't think that means he's going to be packing Jokic a shot every time. Jokic is really hard to block. Listen, when Embiid wants to, 
he he can block a shot. You can you see that in a lot of fourth quarters. You can tell he reserves a lot of his energy and even fouls. So for like look at tonight. That block yeah. he had on on Anthony, that was a huge block. He had two major blocks in the yeah, fourth quarter, did. actually. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah, but those were like chased down from behind on smaller guards. That wasn't facing up a guy as talented and as strong as Jokic one-on-one and blocking. But him. Jokic stays on the ground when he j- does his jumper. Yeah, but he, he you know, <laughs> he's not like flat-footed, easy to block. I mean, fair. I, I just, I, I see it happening. But, Okay. You're right. I got to do the historical comparison do now. It. Go for it. I think this is the start of a beautiful rivalry and putting up gaudy, ridiculous numbers between two centers. I It could be very well be something like Russell versus Wilt before all said and done. Okay. I, I think it's totally possible. I mean, think about it. When have we seen two centers playing at this peak? At the same time, we can't. Elijah one, who was his contemporary? Maybe Ewing, Ewing but you, yeah. yeah, but Ewing wasn't near. I'm sorry well, for, I, their, for their error. I mean, Ewing was a beast in his era. He was he was a beast, and so was Elijah one. So I just I I don't know. I don't uh, maybe. My point my point still stands. I I think this could be the next great center rivalry, and I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, like, it's not the same. But Shaq and Tim Duncan had some overlap. Like, you could throw that around. But... Yeah, but Duncan was primarily playing power forward at the time. Yeah. Um, um, you could do maybe – was Kareem and uh, Thurman at the – Moses Malone. Kareem and – well, yeah, they, they were – they played in yeah. the finals. Against yeah, them yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could do those two, but like I never really thought of them as a rivalry per se. No, I don't. I don't think they were a rivalry. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I I think this could very well become a rivalry, and I'm all for it. But Chris and Uriah, uh, guys, where do we think the MVP stand race stands right now? And is Joel still the front runner? Um, I I think. Joel is the front runner in the sense that he, a lot of people are going to vote for him. I, he's not my front runner, as you know. I, I well, think he'll get, the... get my vote. Yeah, I figured as much. Um, that's not to say it's not close. I, I think there's a perfectly strong case for Embiid. I think it's pretty neck and neck. I, you know, he's the best scorer on a top three seed right now. You know, Philly's a few games up in the standings on Denver. I, I get it. I think that's all a very credible argument. Um, but Jokic is himself a very gifted and talented scorer. He's shooting much, you know, he's a much more efficient scorer from the field. He's only averaging three points per game fewer, and he's averaging 14 rebounds and eight dimes. Um, you know, just every, like, advanced metric and stat, as everyone will tell you, favors him. So, like, I, I think it's, a case where Embiid is having a genuinely historic and great season and that Jokic is just also having a genuinely great historic all-time season. So it's, it's not, you know, Embiid failing to meet the challenge or anything like that. I, again, you want to vote for Embiid? That's totally reasonable. And I'd love it if it Joel won, I'd be just over the moon. But I think Jokic probably has the, the nod right now in my book. Um, but yeah, it, it's close. 
Right now, Embiid is tied for first. There's a three-way tie. I've never seen this. Three-way tie for uh, Giannis, LeBron, and, and, and Embiid. Yeah. 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 So if, I think if Embiid wins the scoring title, it's a lock. It is a lock. And yes, Chris, Jokic does have better, I guess, advanced stats, and he means so much to his team. But remember, he didn't have to deal with the drama with his own teammate and all the things that he's had to deal with his entire career. I think the narrative as, I guess, uh, I don't know who was mad. People, somebody, I think it was Harden was mad at Giannis because he was saying there's a narrative around Giannis and his story and coming from Greece and all that. I think that's going to favor Embiid because of everything he's been through. So I think you're right, Chris. I think the the journalists and the voters are going to give him, give it to Embiid. But Jokic is a close second. He's a close uh, second. Yeah, I agree that the narrative probably favors Joel. But I will say, like, I like the drama with Ben Simmons. I agree is somewhat unique. But like, Jokic has also been missing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And Denver's supporting cast right now is not exactly what you want. They have some really solid players, and clearly they're a competent basketball team. They're like only a game and a half, two games behind Philly in the standings. But Denver's had a lot of injury troubles itself. Um, so I, I don't know if the Ben Simmons absence holds that much stock just because Denver's going through something equally severe. And now, like, narrative-wise, Joel is going to have 20 games next to James Harden. That's not going to be the case for Jokic. Murray's not back. We don't know when or if he's going to be back. Porter might come back soon, but he's not back yet either. And we're kind of running out of time. So I, I think that's something to consider. I will have a counterpoint to both of your narratives. Jokic has, does have one blemish on his narrative this season, and that is when he blindsided Markeith Morris. Ooh. Markeith Morris finally made his return after four months. Dirty player. From, Dirty yeah. Player. I mean, yeah. I mean, what I, I think we all agree that Jokic is not a dirty player. He made a dirty play. But narrative-wise, that imagine does hurt if, his case. Lucas, imagine if Morris did that to Jokic. Morris would be suspended 10 games. Oh, yeah, totally. No, no, no. I think I I think uh, Adam Silver definitely dropped the ball there. Well, I look, obviously – that's right, but I, I don't think that play is going to determine MVP race. I mean, no, I mean, it might for it a couple. Of, it, it doesn't. doesn't help it, him. I, I, and here's the other thing. Yeah, Chris, you're right. He does have 20 games with Harden, but say for example, they do, they are able to clinch the one seed. Then, then I with Harden on the lineup, whether or not he has Harden or not, I mean, it doesn't matter at that point because they still got clinch the one seed. His production has not gone down since Harden's joined the team. Yeah, look, if so they I, I, run and they clinch the one seed, then I agree. That's going to make a change. But do, do we honestly think that's going to happen? Like, Joel and James are both going to get rest days, be it tomorrow or some other time in the future. Do they really want the one seed without Brooklyn's playing? I don't know. Like, Miami's got a couple games on them already. Mm -hmm. Miami's a really good team. They're not going to, you know, take their foot off the gas pedal. Milwaukee's rolling right now. I don't think that's a team that takes its foot off the gas pedal. So I, I just don't know if Philly's going to get the one seed. And, and that's fine if they don't. I'm just saying as a example there. But um, I, I think I, in my, I released today a uh, MVP ladder for the Sixers, and I have Joel number one. 
And I did mention the fact that Harden being on the team is now hurting his chances a little bit. But, I mean, at the same time, there's been two star teams that have had MVPs. Let's be real. Before the bubble season happened, uh, LeBron James was in line to get that MVP over Giannis. Yeah. I mean, so, so there, there, there was a real chance there, and I don't think that that's that should be undersold. Um, so I, yeah, of course, I, I think look, it's possible. I, I think at the end of the day, if we're really like nitpicking and comparing statistics, Jokic wins the statistical argument, even if Embiid does win the scoring title. Mm-hmm. And you know, it depends on how much stock you want to put into outside noise and the Ben Simmons stuff and the Murray stuff and whatever, but. Statistically, like points per possession, the Nuggets have been a better team with Jokic on the floor than the Sixers. Oh, cool, have been cool. oh, okay, okay, but but, but but think about okay. Counterpoint: the Nuggets are so so horrendous as a roster, and like you that, said, they have couple... nothing to do with the fact but, that uh, when Jokic plays, that team has been better than the Sixers when Embiid has been on the floor. That has nothing to do with when, when they're off the floor. Who's better than them? But like I mean, on the floor, Jokic lineups have been more productive than Embiid lineups. That, that's just like a fact, statistically. And you could make the counter-argument that Jokic's team is better built around him versus Joel's team because Joel's team was partially built to Ben prior to this, prior to the trade. Again, though, his two best players, co-stars, are out. Like Jokic has been playing with bench guards and Aaron Gordon all season. Is anyone going to like sincerely make the argument that Jokic has had better help from his teammates this year? I don't think they are. Like, mm-hmm. like also Jokic probably statistically is just easier to build around and fit pieces with than Joel is. That's not necessarily a slight against Joel, but that's just also the nature of how they impact the game. So I, I think Jokic has my vote, but again, Embiid has been just off the, you know, off. The, amazing obviously we've been talking about it all season he's just a brilliant brilliant player one of the best people playing basketball in the world right now so i'd have no problem if Embiid wins i'd really love it frankly because i obviously have more stock in Embiid personally than Jokic. but i i think if we're being like objective and just taking all the facts into consideration it's kind of hard not to say that Jokic doesn't have the better resume just statistically and in terms of basketball all right. Well, so that's two to one to Joel for Joel. Me and Uriah have Joel and Chris has Jokic. We'll see who's right at the end of the season. This pretty much is how it played out last year, too, after the All-Star break. We'll see if Chris has proven right yet again this year, or maybe me and Uriah will be right this year. Um not a matter of like right. I, I, I'm not I, predicting that Jokic is gonna win. I'm saying I think Jokic would be my pick. Okay. If it's who do I think is going to win, then it it might be Embiid. Jokic has kind of gained some momentum the past week or so because he's played better than Embiid for the past week or so. But, you know, that's been up and down all season. So I, I, Embiid's like the betting favorite. So I have no doubt that he could and maybe will win. All right. Um, To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Sixth Sense podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can read our written work. Um, 
So we will be back later this week to talk about the Nuggets game and about a lot of other stuff that is bound to happen with this team. Um, So until then, everyone, peace out. Have a good week. Go Sixers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.